You're listening to I Hate the Fins. This is episode 29. I think it's 29. We're with the Finsider Radio Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. My name's Keith. I'm with my co-host, Zach. As always, we'll just get right into it. Uh, some things to talk about because we have actual football. I think for the first time since we've done this show, uh, well, within the last couple of months. Actually, no, that's true. Uh, the big storyline, we can just get right into it. Rosen, Fitzpatrick. Early signs, early um, returns suggested that it was all Fitzpatrick. Rosen looked like a total noob out there. I saw some people. Uh, one um, person I saw on Twitter, they said it looked like Rosen hadn't even been playing football for that long, which is brutal. And then I'd say the last week, it's been all Rosen love, unless I'm missing something. It sounds like that guy is really stepped it up people are raving about his arm strength and practice uh people were down on him for his anticipation uh throwing with anticipation looks like that hasn't been an issue for him the last couple of days that's good to see him progress there you've messaged me about it we've talked about it you're all about it with rosen what do you think right now because even south florida beat writers which you should always do the opposite of what they say so maybe we should be down on rosen at this point but they've done a 180 for the most part in that they they hated this guy and now they can't get enough of him. Yeah, I mean, it's I just don't understand where people were coming from that they were surprised that Fitzpatrick looked good out the gate. Like, dude's been in the the NFL and played for five bazillion different NFL teams. He started for at least six or seven different teams. So, like, if there is one guy that should be good at picking up systems and deploying them quickly. It's that guy. I mean, look at Josh McCown. He made a career out of doing that. So, like, yeah. to, to be surprised that Fitzpatrick was the guy that came in and took the early lead on the competition for quarterback is not even remotely surprising. Um, you know, that's – I don't understand what people are thinking at that point. That's just basically logic. But then to take a guy who has been known to ask – a lot of whys about a playbook, not just like, this is X, Y, and Z, do it. Sure, just do it. A guy that also had his first year in the NFL where he got thrown into the fire on a terrible team with a terrible coaching staff and then mm-hmm. got the boot because they found a newer, sexier coach and quarterback to play with. Like <laughs> For him to come in and have some OTA practices, which are It's like going out on the playground for OTA practices compared to training camp in the regular season. And the fact that he struggled a little bit in the first week or so, I just, I just don't understand what people's thought process was. And now he's getting comfortable with guys like Preston Williams um, and Isaiah Ford that play as the, with the second team, you know, he's getting to learn who the guys were. I mean, look at all the success he had even last year. It traveled almost solely through Larry Fitzgerald, a guy that he got comfortable with, he could trust, and he could play with anticipation because he knew that guy was going to do it right, where your other options were Christian Kirk, who was a a rookie as well, who Mm -hmm. was going to make mistakes at time as well, so you couldn't fully trust him to be where he needed to be. It's just, I just don't understand the thought process going through the first week and change here because it's basically just logic. At the end of the day. Yeah, Rosen has been spinning it in camp. I love to read about that. I love to, it seems like every day his confidence is growing. And I mean, this is anyone who thought that he was going to have this QB battle, so to speak, 
in the bag by August is smoking crack. That's just not that's just not how it's going to work. But as you mentioned, if there's anything Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to do, he's going to come in and ace the playbook. The guy hasn't been with a lot of teams. He started for a lot of teams. That's a big difference. He wasn't the guy holding the clipboard for the most part. I mean, like he's been in there. And I mean, uh, at times, a viable starter. And he came out like gangbusters with Tampa last year up until that game against Pittsburgh. And he even had some some big moments late in that game. They just barely lost that one. So it probably not by design, but it is interesting to see that Rosen goes in, new playbook, new system, new everything. And he's taking on like the consummate professional when it comes to the position in terms of comes in, puts his head down, works, learns the playbook, aces it, um, develops a develops a good rapport with his receivers quickly, it seems, and just really gets the show on the road sooner than later. So it's an interesting interesting test for Josh Rosen, but you have to love how he's how he's responded to it thus far. And you have to imagine he I mean he's only gonna get better. So I don't see any regression here unless something crazy happens. You mentioned Isaiah Ford and Preston Williams. You're you're high on Isaiah Ford. Uh, talk about those guys a little bit. Yeah, so I liked I liked uh, Ford coming out of Virginia Tech. There, he was he's one of those guys. He's almost like a Rashard Matthews clone. Not as Rashard Matthews came out and he was a little thicker um, for that six foot six one kind of build. But yeah, they're both guys. Yeah, yeah. Rashard Matthews was a thick boy coming out of uh, Nevada there. Nevada, yeah. Um, but. Ford is very similar in the fact that he is one of the receivers that I've seen that plays the best catching the ball away from his body and not just, you know, palms out, fingertips up. That's, you know, uh, you know, making the diamond, just however you want to catch the football away from your body and any body position angle that he catches is at. he's made some really unique and nice catches over his first couple years the problem is, is he's not the greatest athlete. He doesn't have the biggest build. So he's not going to beat you with speed or quickness. And he's not going to beat you with size like Preston and Williams is doing with guys right now. So he's kind of a really nice slot option. Um, but for, for his first year or so, um, Jarvis Landry was still there, I think, for his first first year. And then after that, the Dolphins kind of swapped to the Jakeem Grant, um, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, three-headed monster in the slot um, to kind of win matchups against safeties and linebackers and, and nickel corners. Um, but so I don't, you don't have Amendola this year. I think they're going to deploy Jakeem Grant on the outside a lot more because he could just beat guys right off the line. Um, like there are times that Jakeem Grant just maddens dude. And you just say, go deep and just grip it and rip it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think you're going to see as much from him in the slot. I think it'll be, you know, Albert Wilson, um, some Kenny stills. And I think Ford could get a a chance to shine. I don't know if Ford ever gets a little bit legitimate chance with Miami, but I think there's a chance that he puts enough good tape on the field this year and he could latch on in a secondary spot like Rashard Matthews did um, for a couple years in Tennessee, um, which I said Tennessee, very funny there. Um, but so we're not judging. That's fine. I, I'm judging myself here, so there's no issue. If you want to judge, I I welcome <laughs> you to judge the way I said Tennessee. Um, but I think there I've, there's a lot to like about him from a hands and body control perspective. 
which is what you really want out of an ideal potential third or fourth receiver. I just think there's too many cooks in the kitchen potentially for him to really latch on in that capacity, especially with a guy like Preston Williams coming up. I, there were people in the draft. um, I know Todd McShay was one of them that said like Preston Williams has first round football talent, but he has off the field undrafted free agent talent. Um, He had some physical altercations um, off the field that I think were dismissed, but regardless I don't like that stuff in the first place, regardless if it's legit, dismissed, not dismissed, whatever. Um, you shouldn't have people saying those things about you in a professional environment. Um, so I was low on that. And then once the Dolphins picked him up as an undrafted free agent, I was like, all right, I got to go back and really look at his tape um, at CSU there. I went back and I looked at it, you know, he's a big dude. He's a strong dude. He's gonna, you know, those 50, 50 balls are more like 75, 25 balls for him, um, which a lot of people have seen at camp this year, but he, his release isn't good. His footwork isn't very good. Um, he could run a fair amount of the route tree, but they're not crisp. Obviously he's, it's, it's a thing that all young wide receivers really need to work on. Um, but right now he's showing in camp that he could potentially give you that Brandon Marshall kind of guy that just beats the hell out of cornerbacks. If you don't have a, a bigger, longer six one, six two cornerback, if he's going against six foot, you know, five eleven, five ten corners, he is gonna beat the hell out of those guys. Um, which in the NFL, you know, if you can't separate, you gotta beat guys down. So at the end of the day, I think that he's definitely going to get a fair chance, especially if Devontae Parker doesn't step up this year, because that's what Devontae Parker was brought in to do and has not done it yet. We typically hate receivers like what you just described with Preston Williams, guys who depend on their physicality and positioning to to win at the NFL level instead of really doing the little things and doing doing all the little things well, all the little tricks and intricacies that go into playing the position. But like you mm-hmm. mentioned, he's doing it. So it's it's scary to bring in a guy and then say, okay, this is how this is how he's going to try to beat one cornerbacks at at the pro level. But if if you can do it, then the other thing I want to yeah. point out is um, with Isaiah Ford when you were describing his game, for the most part, sounded a lot like Aronde Gadsden. No, yeah, no, that's a really good comparison. Just limited physicality, but just stupid ability. Just, just naturally snatches the ball when it's away from his body. Yeah, I mean, if he if he had a little bit more athleticism and was a little bit sexier because of that athleticism coming out of um, Virginia Tech. First of all, he doesn't go day three. He's probably more a day two guy. That's where I had him in my rankings. Um, was back end of day two, but that's because he didn't have that athleticism. But like, I think if he has more athleticism, you know, naturally coming out of Virginia Tech, I think you're talking about him as a second day pick. And he's kind of falling into that comparison that we've given um, guys like Jerry Judy um, with that, you know, uh, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne kind of kind of lanky, not the most physical guys, but they can they can just beat you with their body and their hands. Um, again, he just lacks that initial burst and quickness to really throw guys off in a route to create that unique separation. Yeah, it's a similar profile with all those guys. I love how we can't go a show without talking about Jerry Judy. Just inject it in my veins. Oh, I, I, can't, I can't get enough of the one thing we'll, we'll mention this show. Um, as 
fast as slippery as he is, he is the best route runner I've seen in such a long time. Like he's just disgusting in terms of his ability to just dice up the route tree. So, and I mean, that's saying quite a bit because um, I'm trying to think the last guy who really kind of set me on my ear in terms of his ability. Probably Davis I, out of Davis out of Western Michigan a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, thought, I was going to say that, or um, or it was Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen got such a short end of the stick. The only reason he went in the third round is because one injury history. Yeah, Two, yeah, yeah. People were like, "He's not fast," which like I don't give a shit if you can run great routes. At the end of the day, you'll create better separations by being a great route runner than just being fast. At the end of the day. Um, and it's funny because they showed, I don't know if you've seen on, on Twitter, it went around a little bit. I want to say this weekend, that route of Keenan Allen at practice versus the Rams, where it's like that, like slot sluggo kind of route where Mm -hmm. it shouldn't work and it shouldn't make any sense. But if you get them to bite on that sluggo, like you're, they're done. They're roasted. Keenan Allen got them on that, and it was beautiful. Um, no, and the crazy thing is, there. Jerry Judy hit Clemson with that same thing. It, it was either Clemson or, um, oh God, who did Alabama play before Clemson? Georgia. Clemson played Notre Dame. Georgia. It was either Georgia, which Georgia has uh, J.R. Reed, who's their safety this year. He's a senior. He's a pretty damn good safety. So either him or Isaiah Simmons, who is also a pretty damn good safety for Clemson, got roasted by Jerry Judy in that uh, slot sluggo route. Like, so dudes that can pull that off are nasty. Yeah, I don't think it was. I don't think it was against Oklahoma where he did that. Was it? I, I don't. I, think, I don't I think, think it was Georgia. Oklahoma. I think he got Georgia with that. I don't know. That game, I just kind of blacked out. Just for the, it was it went the same way as the first time they played, or the, yeah. I should say the year prior in the championship game. So, um, I just love that mix of just stupid athleticism and just great skill and savvy at the position too. Keenan is Keenan Allen the best route runner in the game right now? You think? Um, without doing more research, I think I can say yeah on that one. Um, I'd say yeah. I, I think that's I think that's fair and. The guy that I compared, I think I compared him to um, last year was um, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside ran really good routes for, for what he did at Stanford. I Some people are a bigger fan of K.J. Costello than I am. I don't think he's very good, which put um, Arcega-Whiteside at a, at a disadvantage on some unique route concepts. Um, but like what helped him win all those, you know, box out 50, 50 kind of jump balls in the end zone is he wins with his feet at the beginning of the route. Like, you know, it's the same thing with cornerbacks where most people think corners win press with their hands, which obviously that's a major part of it. If you can't land your punch as a press guy, nothing right. matters, but where it really matters as a press guy is with your feet. And if you have good feet, that allows you to redirect dudes but J.J. Arcega-Whiteside had such good foot technique that if even if corners had good foot technique and could land their punches, he was beating them on those fades, and he could get into the better position every time. So, you know, there are dudes that 
feet are so important for it that make the world a difference. Got a stupid wingspan too, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Those no, those press corners, if you have an ability to reset your feet, if you're if you're not able to get a good initial jam, because you're always aiming for that kind of shoulder collar area when you're mm-hmm. going ahead and, and trying to stick them off the line of scrimmage. So if you miss that and you're able to reset off it, I mean that's what that's what separates the men from the boys. Um, what a cliche. Uh, okay, so we got about mm, not even five minutes left. I love these shorter shows. <clears throat> Makes me feel important, like I got somewhere to be. So just as camp uh, continues, a- as we go through it, what are you looking to see outside of the obvious? Is there some sort of development as we start to ease into these preseason games? Um, going into preseason games, I think the most important things that you want to see is, I think... At least with Kilgore may not be the sexiest best center in the world, but he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. I think he's a solid option on the inside. Obviously, Tunsil's one of the best left tackles up and coming in the league. And I think sandwiching Dieter in between them is going to be fine. Um, God, I don't know I if he's that. gonna I don't know if he's gonna super wow anybody, but I think just like we saw with Tunsil next to Brandon Albert, Tunsil looked great his rookie year at guard. Because Brandon Albert was really good holding it down at that point, and Pouncey was good in the center when he was not broken. Um, Mm -hmm. The question is going to be, where does the right side of the line stabilize? Is it Chalik Calhoun? Um, I I don't even know if he's going by Chalik or if he's going by Dion Calhoun. He's he's a Calhoun, though, um, playing right guard with Jesse Davis at right tackle. Or is it Jesse Davis at right guard and Jordan Mills at right tackle? Um, I think step one is figure out what your starting combination is on the right side and then see that starting combination hold their own. I'm not expecting any of that combination to blow the doors off of anybody, but they can't be a liability. I think that's the biggest thing that I'm looking for on the offensive side going into camp. Um, And then the defensive side, I think. Your back end is going to be interesting of how they deploy them, but I'm not concerned about how they deploy them. I think any combination of X, um, Bobby at safety, which is weird, but I like it. Um, some form of Rashad Jones slash TJ McDonald's, Mika Fitzpatrick, Eric Rowe, and supposedly um, uh, Nick Needham has been playing a lot with the first and second team, uh, an undrafted rookie out of... UTSA, I want to say, or UTEP, mm-hmm. one of the two of them. Um, not worried about how they deploy them. I'm not worried about how they deploy your primary linebacker positions. Um, you will get some form of Raekwon, Kiko, Jerome, uh, with Andrew Van Ginkle slid in there for some Kyle Van Noy, um, Jamie Collins looks. Um, I think you're good there. The question becomes, Outside of Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor on the inside, um, how are they going to deploy their pass rush rush situation? Um, Charles Harris is getting the starting looks. Uh, Tank Carradine is getting the other starting looks. Are they are they going to play them? You know, stand Charles Harris up to get him some better looks and run some overlooks. Are they going to run some heavy fronts like five two looks? Um, it's going to be interesting how they use scheme to develop a pass rush because they don't have a unique natural talent to generate pass rush 
from an individual. So they're going to use scheme, and I think this is the right defensive staff to generate scheme sacks because New England has been doing it for decades. Your boy Van Ginkle's got some analysts all hot and bothered right now in that, I mean, he's exactly what you thought he was going to be, just a, a consummate chess piece in this defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, uh, after they drafted him, um, I did some film on him, not necessarily him prior, um, but the other Wisconsin linebacker. So I, I knew of his existence. I've seen him do some good things. But then when I went back to watch him, like, it, it was the same thing as watching Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins. The dude's 6'3", plays roughly 245, you know, plays really well in coverage in flat, hook to curl, um, in the, the deep outside zone. Um, so he can play zone coverage when you want to disguise and drop. He rushes the passer relatively well, needs to use his hands better. Um, when he won in college, he won based on I'm a better athlete. Um, but he does all the same things that they use those guys in for New England for, you know, six to eight years. So at the end of the day, how are they probably going to deploy him? The same damn way. I'm excited to see what happens with Dieter. If he hits, that's two big hits in the third round for these yeah. guys because Jay Bake is also yeah. a guy. So that, that'd that be nice. Just just take your Big Ten guys in the third round, I guess. I don't know. Question for you with Jerome mm-hmm. Baker. Um, chatting with my Jets buddy, and I threw out there the concept of, is there a possibility that Jerome Baker is the better, more exciting potentially franchise player overall than Minka. Considering that Minka's still going to be really good, can Jerome Baker just be like an all-star level kind of good? Well, yeah, his upside is sky high right now. Because, I mean, he's got he's got everything you want at that position outside of the fact that, I mean, he plays undersized, but as as we've seen, this team doesn't really care about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this game, it doesn't matter. He's got, I think he's got stupid length, if I recall correctly and he's just a blazer at that yep. second level and at this point he gives you everything you want and i mean you're talking about a guy i mean he's played a year yeah i mean so uh, i mean with minka i i guess to answer that question i i get it and i would i would actually say yeah but only because i i don't look at minka as a sky high Upside, I look at him as someone who's just going to be a kick-ass pro. And mm-hmm. I mean, and just, I, I think the, the term I used to use for guys like him is set and forget. Yep, He's back there and you don't have to worry about him. His assignments, his play. Uh, he's a chess piece though, so I, I'll give him that. He brings, he is so smart playing the game that like I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily rule it out just even with how he blitzes and everything like his, his positioning his timing. It's all just a plus, but in terms of just, just stupid raw athletic, athletic ability and at a position where like, we haven't even really seen Jerome Baker's ability tapped because we don't know. He's playing for mm-hmm. Matt Burke last year. You know, I guess if anything, we should, Jerome Baker should be the, the no-brainer answer there because he looked good playing for Matt Burke. So, I, I don't know, but I love both of them. I think we're extremely fortunate that we had a draft where we got those two guys 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, it seems like an embarrassment of riches right now, but I mean, you're talking about two guys along with X. Uh, you're assuming Christian Wilkins. I mean, these guys are going to be big time cornerstones in this defense going forward. In a defense yeah, and I mean, that, that doesn't really look for cornerstones because it wants to to continue to morph and evolve. Yep. Yeah, and, and I think the crazy thing too, again, if you now go back with the addition of Rosen and looking back to not this past draft, but the year before, the first four picks for them are Minka, Josh Rosen back-to-back picks technically for a fraction of the cost, Gasecki, and then Jerome Baker. If Gasecki's really the weak link out of that and Josh Rosen materializes, like, sorry, Mike Gasecki, like, I want you to be good, but if you're not, I really don't care, to be quite honest. Yeah, I was more of a Goddard guy, I'm not going to lie. A hindsight yeah, 2020, I, I think we were, I think we both were, because I think we talked about that. Yeah. So we were both, because he, what, he was SD state. Just, uh, my, my number one, he, so my, my tight ends for that draft, um, at least my top two from what I remember right off the top of my head, my number one guy was Mark Andrews. And it's always been true. Mark Andrews. I will give you props and on I that. I saw Mark That's Andrews true. today, um, and I told him that. Um, didn't mean anything to him that some random guy was telling him that. He was his tight end one on his draft board. Um, but then my second guy was Goddard. Um, and I want to say there was one more person before Gasecki. Hayden Hurst. Hayden kind of won me over. Hayden Hurst. Yeah. That's who it was. Who I also well, saw I was going to say, he was there um, too. <laughs> yeah. So, but Gasecki, I think Gasecki late after the combine um, and after pro day stuff bumped out of, I think he was probably like my sixth or seventh tight end, probably bumped into my like, fourth or fifth slot oh man i think and i was all about that pick when we got him like i think we we talked the morning of the second round 2018 i think we were both on board with goddard we were hoping it was going to be him and they took a sickie and that's fine i mean it could be great of that i don't know maybe he's just slow to development there because i mean the the measurables and the tools are just right off the chart but mm-hmm. the one thing that, and it's easy to get away from because tight end has really become a glamour position in the in these offenses where they flex out. And you th- you're thinking about guys like uh, like uh, Travis Kelsey. So um, I think the problem though is when you watch his tape at Penn State, there's just not a lot of for lack of a better term, physicality with his position. I mean, like, it is finesse. Just to touch base on your your whole tight end thing there, too. You know how many receptions, yards, and touchdowns Travis Kelsey had in his first year? Mm, I don't think it was much coming out of Cincinnati because he was considered a behavior case. Yeah. I don't know. Well, receptions his first year, zero. Yards his first year, zero. Touchdowns his first year, zero. So at the end of the day, and and I mean, even another good guy to look at is, um, oh man, I'm not going to be able to think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, Higby? Is it Tyler Higby for the Rams? The Rams, that is Tyler Higby. Um, Tyler Higby, his first year, I think he didn't even have that ver- a very good first year, but tight end's one of the hardest positions to come out of the gate just killing it. it um, is. I mean, Tyler Higby's first year, he had... Um, seven game or played in 16 games, started seven, was targeted 29 times for 11 receptions, 
85 yards and a touchdown. In the past couple of years, he's been sharing duties, so he's only been breaking off 300 yards and a couple touchdowns. But, like, he's been a good piece of that offense when they've needed him to be. Um, so I'm I'm not calling it quits on Gasecki whatsoever at no, this no, point. No, no, way too early. Um, and, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But, like, realistically, if he's the weak spot in the top four picks of that draft, I'm 100% fine with it. Especially when you're picking up a franchise quarterback. <laughs> You know, potentially. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, you'll you'll take the L on that one. Still hurts when you watch how guys uh, got her. And Mark Andrews has been really impressive, too. So, um, all right, let's um, let's call it for tonight. Good show. Fun stuff to talk about. Now, we didn't get too football nerdy, but I think we still have a good time. Like, I feel like this is a conversation you hear. You'd hear like drunk guys having in a bar. And that's good. That's, <laughs> that's what we shoot for here. It's it's intelligible. But still, um, borderline intoxicated, and that's that's good. That that is the goal. I think we got there tonight. So thanks to everyone for tuning in, listening to us ramble for almost a half hour. Oh, we almost went ten out or ten minutes over. So we'll do better next time. Uh, for Zach, my name is Keith. Thanks for for tuning in. This is I hate the fins twenty nine. We'll talk to you later.